Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We're here? Well, it's better than not, right? <laughs> well, I wanted to start by asking a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, God helps those who help themselves? Have you ever heard that before? With the implication being that you need to do some sort of action to kind of help yourself. It's almost like that old school John Wayne, true grit attitude where you just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and kind of handle your own problems, right? And then that's the key to getting God's help. But is that really the right approach? Probably not, right? What's the first thing you do in times of trouble? Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, that's the right answer, of course, to cry out to God. But is that always what we do? Is that always what the first thing is? We know theoretically what we should do, right? Everybody has trouble. I don't know anybody who's never had trouble in their life. And I'd really like to meet that person because I want to know what the, the key is there. But what is the best way? And of course, we theoretically know. And whenever I think about trouble, I usually think about one or two people. And it's usually this first gentleman that we're going to talk about today who had more than his share of trouble. He had more than his share. He had more than others share. And that, of course, is King David, who really knew what it was like to go through trouble, didn't he? He was, even as a young teenager, he was pursued by King Saul, chased. He was attempted to assassinations a few times by Saul, tried to kill him, even in his own presence, threw a spear at him and so forth. He barely escaped. He was hiding in the wilderness, running around, just fleeing everywhere he went, even as a young boy or young man. Anyway, and then as he gets older, he has friends turn against him. He gets married. Of course, he suffers the shame of adultery and murder and the consequences that came with that. He really knew trouble. And then his son betrays him. His other son betrays him. His other son kills his other son. I mean, this guy really knew. Should we go on? Do you get the point? <laughs> he really knew what it was like to go through trouble. <clears throat> and yet somehow he survived all of this and became known as a man after God's own heart. So for me, there's got to be something there, right? There's got to be something in his life that we can emulate or look after. And I've, I feel like we find this answer in one key verse in 1 Samuel 30. And I'm going to give some background before we read it. There's 1 Samuel 30 verses 1 through 6. And at this time in David's life, he was living in this little city called Ziklag. He was fleeing from King Saul, who still wanted to kill him. And he was now actually aligned with the Philistines. And in this aligning with the Philistines, this alliance, the Philistines determined, do we really trust this guy? And they said, David and his army were going to go and fight with the Philistines against Israel, which was a really interesting situation. And David leaves Ziklag with all of his mighty men to go and array themselves with the Philistines. And then he gets there and the Philistines say, I don't know if we trust you. <laughs> go back home. And on their way back, 
this is what happens here in 1 Samuel 30. They're returning. Now David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. And we'll read here in 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 6. The Amalekites had made a raid against them, and they overcame Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's wives had also been taken captive. Both, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because of all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. And we're going to leave that last part just for a second. But look at what's happened here. They're on their way back and the Amalekites come in and just do what we would call a raid. And they just destroy everything and take everyone captive. Family, sons, daughters, women, children. They didn't care. They just took everybody. David comes back and what a situation to come into. And very distressing to find that you're, well, he had a couple of wives, which we don't recommend. Actually, we speak pretty strongly against that, but his wives and his children were gone. And the personal distress that that must have been, but now knowing that all of his men that he was responsible for were facing the same situation. So it compounds all of that the distress and the turmoil and the struggle. And then you add more because now they say, this is all your fault. This is you. And they want to stone him. And so now he's worried about getting killed. So what does David do in this time of trouble? Does he pull a John Wayne and go true grit and pick himself up and dust himself off? No, of course not. It says here in verse six that he strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't say, all right, boys, bring it on. Stone me. Give it a try and see what happens. He said, I'm distressed. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. With the strength that he received, he was able to deal with the situation and handle it correctly. And we see this throughout his life. But if I were to say, Les, you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord, would you know what that means? What does that actually mean? That's a nice uh, Christian-sounding phrase, right? You need to strengthen yourself in the Lord. In order to answer that, we have to examine David's life. We have to look at what he did when he was in trouble. He would often compose psalms when he was in trouble. He would write a song or a psalm. When he was pursued by Saul, he wrote Psalm 59. When he was in prison in Gath, he wrote Psalm 56. When he was fleeing his son Absalom, he wrote Psalm 3. And when he was hiding in the wilderness of Judah, he wrote Psalm 63, which we sang this morning. So he wrote Psalms. He wrote Psalms. So looking at these Psalms, we can glean a little bit of clues about what we can do and what it actually means to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. From Psalm 56, we learn that David would place his trust in the Lord. Let's read Psalm 56, 
verses 3 and 4, and then verses 9 through 11. He said, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. And God, whose word I praise, and the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David knew where the true strength came from. David knew where the true wisdom came from. He knew where the true hope came from. And he said, it's in God. So that, he's the one in whom I trust. I don't care what man can do to me. What can man really do to me? Because I put my trust in God, knowing that he is on my side. What can man do to me? And you see this over and over again. And this is just one psalm. There's others that we could quote where he talks about putting his trust in God. He said, let my trust be in him. From Psalm 59, another clue. So clue number one is put your trust in him. Clue number two is that he continued praising God, even in the most distressing of circumstances. And we read this in one psalm, which is Psalm 59, verses 16 through 17. He says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress the God who shows me steadfast love. So in times of trouble, he sang praises to the Lord. He reminded himself where his true strength came from. He reminded himself of who his fortress was. He reminded himself of who the one who was fighting his battles. And he did that by singing praises to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, <clears throat> When I go through difficult times, often the last thing I think about doing is, let's sing a song. <laughs> let's get the guitar out and sing a song. That's usually the last thing I think about, especially if it's an especially challenging situation. But that's what David did. He sang praises to the Lord. And I, it was surely difficult. It was surely difficult. That's why it's called the sacrifice of praise, right? It's not easy, but it's where his strength came from. He reminded himself, yep, God's the one who I trust. God's the one who helps me. God's the one who is my fortress. He's my strong tower. And it's almost like, like that song we sang it's, it, this morning that starts off really slow and then it gets really, really fast. It's like, it's almost like this, yeah, God's my strength. And then he would just go over and over and it was like a little crescendo and then it starts getting faster and faster and then he's jumping and dancing and singing. It was a, it was a battle for sure, for sure. So point number one, he placed his trust in the Lord. Point number two, he continued to praise the Lord. And now we look at Psalm 63 is he overcame this problem of loneliness. I'm sure it was very lonely for David in, in the wilderness, fleeing by himself. No one really understood what he was doing or what he was going through. And here in Ziklag, 
They were all against him. And he was feeling his own personal distress and the anguish that he was feeling for the men. And now they want to kill him. Very difficult. He was, I'm sure he went through many times of loneliness. And if you read the Psalms, you can see it over and over again. He was, there were times when he felt lonely. And when you're a man of great vision, a man of man or woman of great vision and responsibility and kind of groundbreaking revelation of, of who the Lord is and who he was and you know the, the, the tabernacle of worship and the vision that he received from the Lord, it's often very lonely when you're the only one seeing things like that and you're the only one with that kind of relationship. And so out of this loneliness, he writes Psalm 63, which is just beautiful psalm, one of my favorites. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, this is verses one and two, earnestly will I seek for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is, you can feel, almost feel the loneliness here. There's nothing here all by myself. And he doesn't say, Lord, bring me a friend or give me someone I can talk to. It reminds me of that little, that old movie, Castaway with Tom Hanks, where he's got that little volleyball, right? It's Wilson. And that Wilson becomes his companion and he's talking to it and he's hearing things back, right? He's like, send me, send me Wilson. But he doesn't say any of that. He says, Lord, you're the one I thirst for. You're the one I long for in this dry and thirsty land. So I looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. He trusts in the Lord. He continually sings praises to the Lord. When he's lonely, he seeks the Lord. Then in verses 3 through 5 of Psalm 63, again, he's praising and he's praying. He says, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So again, he's seeking the Lord. He's praising and praying the Lord. And then verse 6 and 7, he's meditating upon the Lord. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings will I seek for joy. <clears throat> Excuse me. In each, of Dave, in each of these psalms, David is essentially saying the same thing. In a time of trouble, put your trust in the Lord. Stay close to him through praising him and praying him. And as you do this, he will strengthen you. He will support you. He will encourage you. And he will lift you up. Look at 60, Psalm 63, verse 8. Psalm 63, verse 8. I'll have to excuse me. Somehow I deleted that from my notes. Somebody want to read Psalm 63, verse 8? Your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. He is clinging to the Lord, even in these desperate situations. So this is how he strengthened himself in the Lord and was able to face and overcome his problems with the help the Lord gave him. So what about today? This is what David did several thousand years ago, but what about today? In times of trouble, do we follow David's example? Or do we 
roll back to the old ways of John Wayne. I'm sorry to pick on John Wayne, but that's who my mom brought me up watching. Trying to figure it out on your own. Oh, no, I don't need any help. I'm going to use the grit and vigor and determination. And that's the message of the world, isn't it? You hear that all the time. You can solve your own problems. You can fix yourself. Well, thankfully, I'm happy to report I, I can't fix myself <laughs> at all. I'm not even close. I can't fix myself. Um, my problems are too big for me. And I'm okay saying that. My problems are too big for me. I need the Lord's help. All right? And probably no surprise to anyone here, but you need the Lord's help too. <laughs> All right? So what do we do? Some people in the world will tell you to try to figure it out on your own. Right? To try to figure it out on your own. And they leave God completely out of the picture. Sometimes they even forsake him entirely. They don't praise him anymore. They don't pray to him. They get so focused on the situation at hand, they compartmentalize everything, and they forget all about God. It's almost like they're saying, let me get my life figured out, and then I'll come back to praise and worshiping the Lord. And that's like the most backwards way of doing it, isn't it? Let me get my life figured out, and then I'll go concentrate on God. That's so backwards, right? It's like, I need to concentrate on God so I can get my life figured out. But many people do that. And it's a human, it's human nature. And, you know, even some simple things around the house. When I was working on a project earlier in the year and I was halfway through Saturday and I was making a real hash of it. And I was talking to my wife and I said, what, what is going on? I'm ready to just scrap this whole thing. And uh, I got there and the Lord said, well, did you? pray? And did you ask me to help you figure it out? I said, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> he goes, well, you see what happens. <laughs> and I was, and it was, it was so real. I mean, I didn't, fortunately, I didn't waste too much time or too many materials, but it was the Lord saying, okay, well, go ahead, figure it out. And I said, oh Lord, I, I can't do it. But Israel did that. And this upsets the Lord when we try to do it. Israel did it. We do it a lot. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 through 8 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. It's right there in plain English. I even used the ESV, so it was easier to understand. <laughs> Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And a good example of this is when Israel was attacked by Assyria and many people were leaving to go to Egypt. They said, let's go to Egypt. Like that worked out so well for them in the past. Let's go back to Egypt. Here they are hundreds of years later. And they said, let's just go back to Egypt. 
And you see this in Isaiah 31, and we're not going to go too in-depth for the sake of time, but he says, Woe, Isaiah 31, verses 1 through 3, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses. And horses in Scripture, trust me, or you can study it out for yourself, generally speak of relying in human strength, your own humanity, your own strength. And that's why it was something that the law of the kings were not to multiply horses to themselves because they were it was a sign of trusting in their own strength, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. He says, woe to you who go to Egypt, who trust in your own strength, trust in your own horses, but don't consult the Lord. God wanted Israel to trust in him and not themselves. And if you look at Isaiah 30, verse 15, for thus says the Lord, God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, you shall flee away, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. So it's almost like exactly what happened to me in my project. The Lord said, Okay run away. And those who pursue you will be faster. It's almost like he says, okay, see what happens when you trust in your own strength. And he's not doing it to be vengeful with the lightning bolt from heaven. That's not how God operates. I hope, I know we all know that. He's saying, okay, see what happens when you try to do it yourself. You're going to run away, but the people who are chasing you are going to be faster. You're going to have big, strong horses. Well, they're going to have more, and they're going to be faster, and they're going to be stronger. See what happens when you try to trust in your own strength. And he's again, he's not doing it to say, ha I'll show you. He's saying, see what happens. Isn't it better just to trust in me? And throughout Israel's history, we see what happens when they did put their trust in the Lord. My, the one that comes to mind is, is uh, I believe it was Deborah in Judges, where they have this huge army with, what was it, 900 chariots of iron or something like that, world-renowned for their gigantic army and huge strength, and they're all quivering in fear at this huge army, and what does God do? He causes it to rain, and the ground gets really soft, and what happens to heavy chariots of iron when it's, the ground is soft? They sink in the ground, and they can't move. So all that strength, all that power, all that might was useless because the ground was soft and they sank and they couldn't do anything. And Israel had a huge victory. If they would have trusted in their own strength, they would have ran away. Or who knows, made an alliance with a, an army or somebody they shouldn't have. But they just said, God, you can help me. And that's what happened. So God wants us to put our trust in him. And the last verse 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7. We talked about this, uh, Pastor Daniel did a few weeks ago. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And again, this is English standard, but King James says, cast all your cares on him. Many translations say similar things. Cast your burdens, cast your cares, cast your worries, your anxieties. I like that phrase. Cast your anxieties. He can take everything. That's what he wants, to put our trust in him. So the truth of the matter is, it is not God 
helps those who help themselves. That is just not true. It's God helps those who trust in the Lord with all their heart, who lean not under their own understanding, who acknowledge him in all their ways, who praise him, who worship him, and glorify him in everything. Then that's where the strength comes from. When we leave God out of the picture, attempting to solve our own problems, one thing is certain, we will have more problems. He will often leave us to deal with those problems on our own and see what it really means to try to solve a problem in your own strength. He graciously does that to us. And I'm thankful he does that. When you get through it and you're like, man, why didn't I just pray at the beginning? How to save myself two and a half weeks and probably 500 bucks. (laughs) Why didn't I just pray at the beginning? But, you know, and that's something trivial. That's a home project. But we've got some real problems going on here. And I think the best thing for all of us is just to remember he's the one we put our trust in. He's the one we put our hope in and our strength in. So, Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this encouragement and this reminder, Lord, that we should put our trust in you and our hope in you in all things. And that we should praise you and continually praise and worship you and pray and remind ourselves that you're our fortress. You're our strong tower. You are our deliverer. We have no hope of doing this and making it through on our own. So Lord, we thank you for reminding us this morning. and We just ask for your grace to continue to do so and to continue to place our trust in you going forward. We thank you and ask your blessing upon each and every one as they go on their way this, this week and just ask that you would continue to remind us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.